Well, welcome to Hope City Church today. My name is Jason, and uh, I'm the pastor here at the church, and we're just excited that you're here because we are starting a brand new series today called uh, The Goat, and this series is inspired by the great philosopher LL Cool J, who told us what GOAT stands for, the greatest of all time, and uh, the reason the series is called GOAT is because we're talking about Jesus and Jesus is the goat, right? So uh, what we're going to do for the next 12 weeks is we're going to read through the book of John together. We're going to study the book of John together. There's 21 chapters. There's 12 weeks. We're not going to be able to cover everything, obviously. But we're going to read through the book of John together, the stories of Jesus, the events, the miracles of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus. We're going to read through these together and discover who Jesus is, or maybe rediscover who Jesus is. And at the end of those 12 weeks, what I love about this is this is going to take us right up to Easter. We are 12 Sundays away from Easter, so we will finish this series right at Easter where we will celebrate uh, Jesus doing what uh, the goat would do, and that is resurrect himself uh, from the dead. And so that's going to be a great day. So it's going to be 12 weeks in John, and it's going to be a good time together. St. Augustine had this to say about the book of John. He was quoted as saying, the gospel of John is deep enough for an elephant to swim and shallow enough for a child not to drown. And I love that because no matter where you are on your spiritual journey or your spiritual walk, uh, there is something in the book of John for you. If you've been following Jesus, you know, for 50 years or five minutes, or maybe you're here today and you're, you're trying to decide if you want to follow Jesus, in the book of John, you are going to find something that resonates right where you are. And so let me just give you a little bit of, uh, of context, a little backstory about John. John was the first disciple, or the second, most people believe the first disciple that Jesus ever asked to follow him. And so he was there from the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, and he was the last disciple to die. So he was there at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he lived the longest of all the disciples. He had the most life experience, the most, uh, I guess, the most views, I guess, of culture and Christianity and the ministry of Jesus and people who followed Jesus. He had that. So John was not some hotshot disciple trying to like sign a book deal after Jesus left, all right? It was 20 or 30 years later when he sat down and he wrote uh, these words and gave us the life of Jesus. He wrote a couple other books, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Uh, he obviously liked to name books after himself. And, uh, and then he, he wrote the book of, of Revelation. And so he wrote several books. And, but the Gospel of John is obviously his biggest and his most important because it is written to us to help us believe in Jesus. That's what John said in John chapter 20. It's on your sermon guide if you want to Read this with me, but it's John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. John tells us why he wrote the book of John. This is what he says. He says, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. So in other words, he's saying, we don't have enough ink to write down all the things Jesus said and did. But these, the stories that we have, are written so that you, everybody say me. So that you may continue to believe. Everybody say believe. believe. Believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life. 
by the power of his, his name. The purpose of the book of John, and the reason we're taking 12 weeks to study and to read it, is so that you would be stirred to believe. Not just believe that Jesus existed, like there was this human at one time named Jesus, but John tells us that you would believe three very specific things about Jesus. Number one, that you would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. What does that mean? That means that you would believe that Jesus is the answer to sin and death. That you'd believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that you would believe that life only comes through Jesus. That's why John wrote his book. And that's why it's different, by the way, from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There are four guys who wrote about the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and Luke wrote about Jesus so that you would believe that he existed. They wanted to prove to you that he really was a man who lived. But that's not why John wrote his book. John wrote his book so that you would believe that Jesus is God. The supernatural belief uh, that Jesus is God. And so um, this is going to be a good time together. And I've been waiting to preach this for a long time. So uh, it's going to be good. Here we go. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We're going to start with the very first verse in the very first chapter of the book, and there's too much in here to put on your sermon guide, so we've got a few things in there, but make sure you grab one of those if you don't have one. This is what it says, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, the Word, and that's a capital W, the Word, he's talking about Jesus, in the beginning, Jesus, the Word already existed, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, he existed in the beginning with God, God created Everything through him, talking about Jesus, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life, talking about Jesus, brought light to everyone. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and darkness can never extinguish it. Let me tell you what I love about John. My man just gets right to the point. No small talk with John. He wants you to know right up front that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is the son of God, but not the son of God like Jesus was hanging out in his bedroom on his iPod while God was doing all the work. No, he wants you to know that Jesus is the son of God, but that he is God. He, in, in two distinct forms, Jesus is God. Now, in the next book of Acts, you're going to see the Holy Spirit show up. And so you have God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. You may have heard these called the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We call this, as believers in the church, we call this the Trinity. The Trinity means that God is three distinct forms, three distinct people, but they are one person. Now, if that just gave you a headache, that's normal, all right? If we took time to try to explain the Trinity today, we would all leave more confused than when we showed up, all right? In, including the preacher, okay? So don't be uh, alarmed if you're like, wow, I don't totally get that. Uh, it's a tough topic to grasp because we have finite minds. We can't grasp the way that God could be God but also be Jesus and be the Holy Spirit. What's important for you to know for where we're going in this series is that Jesus is the version of God that puts skin on, Okay? No one's ever seen God. Nobody knows what God is like. But if you've ever wondered, what is God like? The good news is that Jesus shows us what God is like. 
That's what John said in verse 18, if you skip down. It says, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. Last verse, here we go. He, Jesus, has revealed God to us. Jesus reveals God to us. If you've ever wondered what God is like, we look at Jesus, we study Jesus, and we find out what God is like. I don't want to belabor the point, but I do want to read just one more uh, verse to you, or a few verses to you, about this idea that Jesus is God, because um, it's important that we get this. It's in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15, 16, and 17. That is uh, not on your sermon guide. Sorry, I thought it was. I've preached this two times. You'd think I would know that. Here we go. Colossians 1, verse 15. This is what it says. It says, Christ, talking about Jesus. By the way, just so you know, I don't want to take anything for granted. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Okay, I, I don't want you to feel bad if you thought that. It's not Jesus Christ as in Jason Isaacs or Andrea. It's Jesus the Christ. It describes who he is. Jesus Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. There it is again. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, like thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. This is Jesus they're talking about. Now, why is this a big deal? Why would we take five minutes in the sermon here to, to make this point, to make sure that we know that Jesus is God and he has been from the beginning and he holds all things together and all things were created in him. Why is this a big deal? Because in just a second, John is going to tell us that Jesus came to us. Jesus came to the earth. And if you believe that Jesus started as a baby... Well, then that's cute, right? Oh, you know, little baby Jesus. Maybe you've quoted Will Ferrell and you've prayed to little baby Jesus. And if you think that the, the, the beginning of Jesus was Christmas with him as a baby, then that, well, that's cute. God is God. Oh, don't mess with God. Wow, God. But Jesus, oh, he's a cute little baby. John wants you to know Jesus didn't start as a baby. Jesus is God. And he has been around forever. He has no origin date, just he was and is, and he decided that as God, he was going to put the godness aside and come be human. And that's a much bigger deal than just some baby, right? That he was God, he is God, and he said, I am going to, to put God's side away, and I'm going to come be human, and that's what we read in John 1, verse 10. John 1, verse 10. So we're going to spend the rest of our time today. Verse 10 through 14. Here's what it says. It says, he, talking about Jesus, came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan. I've got four kids. One came from plan, three came from passion. Come on. But a birth that comes from God. And some of y'all got a lot of kids. Y'all know. I'm not telling you. 
Sometimes passion, sometimes plan. John says it ain't even like that when you become a child of God, right? Verse 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. This is such a huge statement. This is huge. That God became human and made his home among us. Who do you know who would do something like that? Who, who, would, who would stop being God to come be human? And we don't know anybody who's God, so let's, we can't compare that. Let's downgrade it a little bit. Have you ever known anybody who was incredibly wealthy and they said, you know what, I love you so much, I'm going to give away all of my wealth so I can come sleep on your couch? No, nobody's ever done that. Have you ever known anybody who was incredibly successful in business and they said, I'm killing it in business right now, but I'm going to give away all of my businesses so I can come work at Starbucks with you? No. We think that it's like incredibly awesome and selfless when like a celebrity serves food at a homeless shelter on Thanksgiving. Like, wow, just a, what an incredible guy, right? Jesus said, I'm going to stop being God so I can come be human and sleep on your couch. Now, I don't know what goes with being God. I'd imagine it has its perks, but I do know what comes with being human. Heartburn. Heartache. Pain. Anxiety. Fear. Rejection. I mean, they're, they're, like it, it ain't all that great to be a human. And God said, I'm going to stop being God so I can go be human. Why would he do that? Why would someone stop being God so they could come be human? Well, he told us, John told us, we just read it, so that we could become children of God. So, so Jesus is God, and he said, I want them to become children of God, and so I'm going to stop being God to go be human, to die, so that they could be children of God. So we know what Jesus' response was to us, but John 10, 1, 10 through 14, gives us the way that the people responded to Jesus because Jesus literally came, and John shows us three ways that people responded to Jesus when he showed up, and these are the same three ways. This is how they did it 2,000-plus years ago, but they're the same three ways that you and I respond to Jesus now. And so let's look at the three ways that people responded to Jesus and see if we can find ourselves in either any of these Three ways. You can write these in on your sermon guide. Three ways people respond to Jesus. Number one, first way, some people don't recognize him. That's what he said. We're taking this right out of the text. He came to the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Some people don't recognize him. Another way we could say this is that there are some people who don't know God. They're not anti-God. They just don't know God. Maybe this is your story. You weren't raised in church. You didn't have praying grandparents. You never went to Christian Bible camp or Catholic school or uh, VBS. Like you don't, you, your parents were good people, I guess, but you didn't, you, there was no, you didn't do what you did because of God. Doesn't mean you weren't trying to be good. Doesn't mean you try, weren't trying to be moral, 
but you just didn't, the motivation was not God. That's different than my story. That's not my story. A lot of you know my story. I am like church kid through and through, fourth generation pastor's kid. My mom went into labor while playing the piano at church. Like I literally have been in church my whole life. And so when I was being raised, you did everything for God. You told the truth because of God. You were a good person, nice to people because of God. You ate your vegetables because of God. You went to school because of God. Anybody raised in a house like that? Like every, don't make God mad. Like just go to bed because of God, right? And so that's what you did. But for people who don't know God, people who don't recognize God, they're not even aware that God is at play, that Jesus is at play in anything, right? There is, there is no, there's no idea that God is working and connecting the dots and making things happen. And it's one of the things I love about so many of you here at Hope City when you get saved you're able to look back and you're able to put all the dots together to see all the ways that God was working in your life. Oh, that's why I was friends with that person or neighbors with that person or I worked there or this happened to me. You begin to see the ways that God connects the dots. And just so you know, just because you don't recognize God at work in your life or just because you don't know God doesn't mean that God has not been working in your life. Just because you haven't decided to believe in him doesn't mean that he hasn't been pursuing you. But you would just say, like, I don't know God. Think of it like this, that, that the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world, that he is a light that outshines darkness. So for people who don't know God or don't recognize God, imagine that you're living in a house and, and the house is dark, that the lights are not on. And there's power coming to the house. All you need to have light is just flip the switch and turn the light on. But for people who don't know God, you don't know that you can flip the switch to turn the light on. All you know is darkness and you think that that's what you have to live in because you don't know you can turn on the light. Does that make sense to everybody? If you don't know, you don't know God, you don't recognize him. And for some of us in the room, that's our story. Or that was our story. We could say that's our story. But I would think for... Most of us in the room, that's not our story. We would relate or connect with the second response to Jesus. And the second response is that some people reject him. John said that Jesus came to the world that he created and the world didn't recognize him, but he came to his own people and they rejected him. If people who don't recognize God are people who don't know God, people who reject God, we could say are people who don't want God. This describes people, maybe this is your story. Uh, you grew up in it, you know it, you got praying parents and grandparents, you went to summer camp, you, you went to Bible college, you've, you've cried in church services, you've felt goosebumps, you've experienced answered prayers and the power of God, but somewhere along the way, you decided, I don't want God. I believe that he's real, uh, or maybe I don't believe that he's real, but regardless of it, I reject it. I don't want God. It's not because I don't know it exists. Go back to the house analogy. You're living in this house. Jesus is the light that overcomes darkness. You're living in darkness, and people who don't recognize God don't even know they can flip the switch. People who reject God, they know all I need to do to live in the light is to turn the switch. I don't want to turn the switch. I like living in darkness. I'd rather live in darkness than live in light. That is people who reject God. And for some of you today, like this is your story. You're here because your spouse made you come or your parents made you come 
or because it's all you have ever known, like you go to church, you try to be a good guy, but you don't really want to be here, but whatever, you're here, and this is how it is. I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not living for Jesus Christ. And just for what it's worth, if you're here today and that's your story and you'd say, I don't really want to do this, but I'm, they kind of make me do this, or, or I don't want to do this, but I mean, I guess I need to because I want to be a good guy. Listen, if you don't want to follow Jesus, don't. And I bring this up, you know, every now and then in sermons and I get a little kickback from people like, are you allowed to say that as a pastor? Listen, if you don't want to follow Jesus, don't. He's not going to give you cancer, make your car break down. The only way to ever come to the realization that you need Jesus is to go live life without him. And you realize one day, what am I doing? This doesn't work. I don't like living in the darkness. But if you follow Jesus like a guy who gets married but doesn't want to be married like the old ball and chain, you ever met that guy? <laughs> or, or the Christian who's like, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm a Christian. This is somebody who is does not have a relationship with Jesus. They have religion. They have rules and moral obligations, but they do not have a relationship with Jesus because religion changes what you do. Somebody says, don't cuss, don't drink, don't smoke, don't gamble, don't have sex with people, don't, 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 don't. That's religion that says don't do it. But a relationship with Jesus doesn't change what you do. It changes what you want to do. What a ball and chain. Are you kidding me? I get to follow Jesus. I have li I'm alive in Jesus Christ. You want to keep living in darkness, do that thing, but not me. I have experienced the light. I want to live with the lights on. Amen. And so there are people who don't recognize God, and there are people who don't uh, receive him. They reject him. But there was a third group. It says that he came to the world that he created, and they didn't recognize him, and he came to his own people, and they rejected him. But to those who, number three, believe and accept. This is the third response to Jesus. Some don't recognize him, some reject him, but some believe and accept him. Believe and accept him. Different translations say this different ways, but I love believe and accept. Some say believe in his name and some beautiful ways that they say it. But I love believe and accept because believe and accept uh, is a tag team partner that's got to stay together. It's possible to believe but not accept, right? Um, like if I got out my checkbook, if I knew where to find my checkbook, and I said, I want to give you $1,000, and I wrote a check down for $1,000, and I said, hey, I'm giving you $1,000. You could believe that I wrote the check. You could believe that the check is real. You could be crazy enough to believe that I actually have $1,000 in my checking account. <laughs> But that would not give you $1,000, would it? Just because you believed it was real and that I wrote it, and you could believe it was for you. In order to actually get $1,000, you'd need to believe it was real, but then you would need to what? Accept the check. Like, I'll take that. And I know a lot of y'all wouldn't have any trouble just accepting that, but I'm saying you would, you would have to accept it and take it down to the bank. And so it's, we don't just believe, John is not wanting us to just believe intellectually that there was this guy named Jesus who lived in the Middle East like 2,000 something years ago and was a, was a pretty good, good guy. No, he says, believe that it's real, but accept what it means. It means that you can know God 
because Jesus decided to stop being God to come sleep on your couch. Don't just believe it, accept it. And so maybe you're here today and you would say, Jason, I'm not an atheist. I'm not an agnostic. Like, I believe in Jesus. I I believe Jesus was real. Isn't that enough? No, that is not enough. It's not enough. You don't just believe in Jesus with your head. At some point, it has to come from your soul. Now, I'm not saying that you turn your brain off because I know some of you, you're analytical, you're intellectual, and part of your rub with Christianity is that most Christians you meet are morons, right? And so they, don't, they won't accept anything having to do with science or anything having to do with facts or anything having to do with history. I'm not saying you turn your brain off, but I'm saying that you cannot just review facts about the historical accuracy of Jesus. At some point, you have to accept that he's the son of God. He's the answer for sin and death and the only way to have life because he stopped being God to come sleep on our couch. Is everybody with me this morning? And when we do that, when we believe and accept, last verse, John tells us, verse 13, what happens? That those who believe and accept him, he gives the right to become Children of God, and they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. In other words, John is saying, when you believe and accept Jesus, you don't just become a better version of the old you. When you believe and accept Jesus, you are reborn into a new person. You're like, well, how does that happen? That's a great question, and we're going to talk about that in two weeks in John chapter (laughs) 3. But what's important to know today is that you are not faced with the decision to live life without Jesus or live life with Jesus. John is saying there's either not living or living because of Jesus. That without Jesus, you're not living a life without Jesus. You're not living. You're dead. It's like going to the mall and seeing a mannequin at the mall and it's pretty, and it's got the new clothes on, but it's not a real person. But when you believe and accept Jesus, you become alive. Life in Jesus Christ. You believe and accept that Jesus is God who decided to put aside Godness for a second and come to this earth to be a human to die so that we wouldn't have to, so that we could know God. You believe and accept that, and you become a new person. I don't have to tell you this, even though I just took 30 minutes to do it, because you know. You know people that you knew before Jesus. And, 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 you know, you went to high school together or you got a nickname, you know, for like whatever you, like Keg Kevin or whatever it is, you got a nickname for whatever it is that you do and, and you know what they were like. And they tried things to get better. They, you know, they went to rehab or they found a new girlfriend that cleaned them up or they, you know, tried church for a little bit or whatever and they got better, but it was still, it was still same Kevin, just a little better version. But then you found out that they started going to this church or then they posted something on Facebook or you found out that they found Jesus and now you would say about them what? 
they are a completely different person. They're not just like a little bit better. They are a completely different person. What happened? Jesus. Belief and acceptance that Jesus is God who stopped being God to come sleep on our couch so that we could know God. And so we, we don't reject him. We, we begin to recognize that he is at work in our lives and we believe and accept that God came to us so that we could get to him. Let's pray.